0: I am really grateful to be able to be with you tonight and I am thankful to be able to get in on a great series of messages from the book of Acts. Acts, that the world may believe. And my assigned text is Acts 5, 12 through 42. So if you'd like to open your Bible to that or call it up on your device, uh, that would be great. And while you do that, I'm just going to cut right to the chase. I'm going to be really overt tonight. What I really want to say is no matter what, continue. You began this series about a month ago in chapter one of the book of Acts, with Jesus spending 40 days with the apostles, giving convincing proofs of the fact that he had come back from the dead and telling his followers that empowered by the Holy Spirit, they were going to become his witnesses all over. The Earth, and after this prediction and some instruction, the Bible says Jesus was taken up, lift off, baby, he just started floating up into the air, and he ascended toward heaven until a cloud hid him from the sight of his followers, who of course, were just staring intently into the sky and when he took off they eventually returned to Jerusalem as he told them to do and chapter 2 is where you read and studied together about the Holy Spirit coming in power as promised the apostles bear witness to Jesus as they had been told to do the gospel is preached the church is born 3000 come to faith and they repent of their sins and are baptized into Christ the believers continue to witness for Jesus and the church continues to grow and what I really want to say is no matter what continue at the end of chapter 2 the church shares fellowship in unique and voluntary ways and they're looking out for one another and taking good care of one another and then chapter 3 tells about how by faith in Jesus and the power of God a crippled man was healed and the gospel was preached it always follows the signs and wonders the gospel is preached and these folks are told that their sins get this now their sins could be wiped out and times of refreshing could come all because of Jesus and then we find out in chapter 4 that it wasn't long until the opposition from non-believers from religious leaders who rejected Jesus and this group men was known as the Sanhedrin These guys are not happy about what's going on. The message of Jesus is cramping their style. Peter and John are put in jail, and they spend the night in jail, and the next morning they're hauled before the Sanhedrin. They're cautioned sternly to stop talking about Jesus. But if you've read the book, you know that the witnessing of the early believers continued. What I really want to say is, No matter what. Continue. Peter and John are released after warned not to say any more about Jesus. The church prays. And if you look in your Bibles at Acts 4.31, it says, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Now, it's cool because the prediction of Jesus is coming along very nicely. But in Your series, sadly, in chapter 5, it begins where there's now an internal threat. There had been an external threat by the religious leaders who rejected Jesus. Now there's an internal threat. It, It comes about because of the selfishness and deceitfulness of a couple. The man's name was Ananias. His wife was Sapphira. And this is so serious that when confronted individually, both of them fall over and die. Ananias first, Sapphira next in the Bible, in Acts chapter 5, verse 11, it says, Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Well, I'd say so, huh? That would get your attention. And that brings us to our text tonight, Acts 5, 12. And I want you to check it out in verses 12 through 14. It says, The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's Colonnade no one else dared join them even though they were highly regarded by the people now get it they used to gather there but not not very many are gathering with the Apostles now at Solomon's Colonnade and there are a couple of reasons why one the non-believers would feel threatened because of the warning that has come from the religious leaders and the believers were a little bit shaky about what just happened with Ananias and Sapphira right but look what the Bible says in verse 14 nevertheless More and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Opposition from without and opposition from within, and the church is still growing. What I really want to say is, no matter what, continue. We want to continue to share Jesus, the one name by which we must be saved. There is no other name. So I want to encourage you tonight, no matter what, continue, because people need the Lord. In our text, it says people were bringing the sick and those tormented by evil spirits to the apostles. And you know God was using signs and wonders to advance the sharing of the gospel, and it was working. It was spreading like wildfire. As they heard about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, people were coming to faith and trusting Jesus for their salvation and to discover a better way of doing life. They were praising God for this risen Lord, much like we just did in song. No matter what, continue. We need to because there, there are needy people everywhere. They are in our path daily. And when you and I, in the name of Jesus, move to meet the needs of others, we will have an opportunity to share the good news. We'll have the opportunity to witness about Jesus, to tell what he's done in our lives. When we are witnesses, there will be growth. Mark that down in your mind. When when we are witnesses, there will be growth. It's not rocket science. It's not brain surgery. Or like one guy who said it this way, it's not... It's not rocket surgery. (laughs) Now, he got a little confused, and he was mistaken. But make no mistake about this. When we are witnesses, there will be growth. And you've experienced that in the long history of this church in Bella Vista. And you're experiencing it in these current days. And I'm really excited about what God's doing and about how seriously you're taking The opportunity to be witnesses for the Lord in Northwest Arkansas and even other places all over the world, like sharing in the Ministry of Good News Productions International. I'm thankful for the vision that you have as a congregation of reaching more and more people. And I'm thankful for the fact that it's more than just a vision. You're putting legs on it. You're acting upon it with innovative and aggressive ways of reaching out to more and more folks. And what I really want to say is no matter what, continue. There, no doubt, are people in this very gathering tonight who need to put their hope and trust in Jesus. And I'm grateful that as a church you continue to be faithful to share the message and encourage folks to trust in what God has done for us in Christ. Keep that going. Now, just envision this with me right now, because as you faithfully bear witness to Jesus, there will be people who respond, lives will be changed, and needs will be met in the name of Jesus. It's a glorious, glorious thing. I'm going to encourage you, no matter what, continue, because God calls for it, and it's clear in our text. Look at verses 17 through 20. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. Now, you know, from... Earlier in the book of Acts, Peter and John were tossed in jail for sharing the good news. They spent the whole night in jail. Nobody showed up to open the doors and let them out. And the next day, they were hauled before the Sanhedrin. This time, all the apostles are locked up, but there's a jailbreak. It's awesome. And, and the, this, this uh, messenger from God comes, and, and he opens the doors, and... I don't know what you would be like, but if I'd been thrown in the jail for that and the doors got open, man, I'd be out of there so fast, everybody getting pneumonia from the breeze. And I'd be ready to head for the hills. But remember what the messenger said. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. Now, in view of your name as a church, I really like that line. <laughs> the full message Of this new life I love this verse but I gotta tell you if the messenger was telling me now go back out there and get after it uh, my first reaction I I'm inclined to think would be wait a minute excuse me what that's what got us here (laughs) but you see no matter what we need to continue because God calls for it says get out there new life christian church god wants us to continue even in the face of adversity and opposition now i'd be the first to say that it's a beautiful beautiful thing when we can share the good news of jesus and when people are receptive and they respond in faith often that's the case in the life of the church and usually when folks accept christ in the community of faith and repent of their sins and they're baptized into christ It's a great celebration, and everybody is thrilled. You know, we love that. I'm all in favor. I hope for more and more of that to happen. But we also need to recognize it's not always that way. Sometimes there is opposition for the ones who are coming to Christ. Sometimes their family aren't in favor of it. Sometimes their friends abandon them. And sometimes there's opposition for those who are sharing Christ but no matter what continue and that's what the Apostles did look at Acts 5 21 it's such a powerful verse what a tremendous expression of faith and obedience at daybreak they entered the temple courts as they had been told see God calls for it and began to teach the people Wow great faith great example and I want to encourage you tonight no matter what continue because even though opposition may come God is in control and the reality is for the most part when we those of us who are here in this part of the world and in our communities when we share the good news the kind of opposition we might face would likely be ridicule or rudeness or maybe meanness I've been on the receiving end of that you probably have been too and there may be exceptional situations along the way but we wouldn't typically expect to be thrown in prison or to be physically threatened for speaking a word on behalf of Jesus I just have to put this in I'm, I'm compelled to say this I don't want to be negative and I don't want to come off like a prophet of doom, but folks, this could change. We're living in a rapidly changing world. The landscape is changing, and the price tag for being a witness may become more severe, even for us here in this country. I know Joe alluded to it in one of his earlier sermons in the series, and you're aware of it that there are believers who are suffering all over the world for their faith right now. Maybe at greater levels than any time in the history of the church. And and it could it could change here. And it could be to a greater degree here someday. And I just think wisdom demands that we need to think about that in advance, not be terrorized by it, but be wise about it, and prepare ourselves so that no matter what, we continue. In the meantime, we have a long way to go and a long way to grow in being less intimidated and speaking out and speaking up for Jesus, don't we? I mean, am I the only one in the room (laughs) who struggles with this sometimes? And isn't it interesting, sometimes the hardest people to talk to about the Lord are your family members. And we just, we have to get past it. And a risen Lord can take our fear and just dissolve it. We sang about it. And we can speak up and speak out. I remember when I was in Bible college, up there at Ozark Bible College, as it was called in those days. I was a student there about 100 years ago. And uh, two carloads of fellow students and I headed south to what was my home state in Florida at the time, It was spring break, and we were going to Fort Lauderdale Beach to witness to the college kids who were there. And this was back in the day when Fort Lauderdale was like the destination for spring break. It was just loaded with college kids, and they weren't going there to study the Bible. Uh, They were going there for other reasons. We loaded up the cars and we drove straight through 24 hours, we prayed, we prepared mentally, we hit the beach. First day on the beach, I'm out there and I'm looking for an opportunity and I'm walking along and this guy gets out his guitar and he starts singing a song. He starts gathering a crowd. This is about, after a while, there are easily over 100 people and that's not a preacher's count, it's true, uh, over 100 people. And they're listening to him sing, and then he gets into this one song, and I'm no musical expert or anything, but it was kind of like a cross between a folk song, which was popular in those days, and country western. And by that, I mean it it was a nice tune and everything, but the lyrics of the song was about this guy who had to be the original born loser. Everything's going bad in his life. And he's singing this song about how he lost his job, he lost his home, and uh, his... Woman stole his stash and left him, and then he goes to the chorus, What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And then he goes into the second verse, and it was just as sad as the first one. I mean, Murphy's Law is embedded in the lyrics of this song, and this guy then sings through it, and it's horrible, and uh, uh, everything is happening to the guy, and then this guy starts singing, What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I? Twang, a guitar string breaks. So now the guy who's playing the song is having the bad luck. And he stopped singing. The music stops. Crowd collectively, like they rehearsed it. Big old groan together. Oh, man. And then silence. And the silence was pierced with a loud, clear voice. that said, I can tell you what you need to do. Everybody was staring at me. And I'm looking behind myself trying to figure out where'd that come from? Because there wasn't anything conscious about it, but, you know, we, had, we were prayed up and we prepared and, and we were wanting to be obedient. And God, I think, was providing the strength because those words came out of my mouth without me thinking about it very much at all. And now I'm sure my eyes were big as silver dollars as everybody's staring at me. And one guy from the crowd says, what should he do? I've got 100 plus people listening. I said, well all I can tell you is Jesus is the answer to every problem again like rehearsed a collective moan oh man and they dispersed and a few had snide remarks for me and I was scared I was definitely out of my comfort zone But one young man a college student from Ohio State University came up he said hey man I'd like to hear how you think Jesus can make a difference for people and I got to tell him my story of faith I got to share the gospel with him man I would love to tell you that he pointed to the Atlantic Ocean and said hey there's water what's to keep me from being baptized some of you might recognize that others of you you'll get to hear about it in Acts 8 a few sermons down the line here where an Ethiopian said that to a believer named Philip Philip and the Ethiopian go down in the water and he baptizes him into Christ. It's awesome. That didn't happen with this kid. But he thanked me. He thanked me for sharing with him. and He said, you've given me a lot to think about and I'm going to do that. And he's on my list. I'm I'm hoping, I've never seen him since, but I hope to see him in heaven. Maybe a planted seed made a difference. I don't know. I'm really glad that Somehow, God gave me the courage to speak up that day, but I'm I'm just trying to be honest with you here. There have been too many times in my life when I've chosen to remain silent. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know, we need to continue to ask God for conviction and passion and courage. We need to try to be like these apostles. The text tells us that the, when the religious leaders hear that the apostles are back in the temple courts teaching the people, they were taken into custody again. And, and if you take time to read this section of chapter 5, you'll see that they, they were kind of respectful, even in the way they arrested the apostles this time. They didn't want to use any force because they feared the people. They feared the reaction of the people who were really tuning in to what the apostles had to say. They didn't use force, but they did confront the apostles about ignoring the earlier instruction to quit teaching in the name of Jesus. And you can't help but be impressed with the response here. Acts 5.29 says, Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. Now folks, that's really what it comes down to, isn't it? No matter what opposition we may face in sharing our faith, we ought to obey God rather than men, shouldn't we? Why why would the apostles come to this kind of obedience? Well, you already know because Joe has talked about it. You've already studied and and pointed out that Jesus was crucified on a cross. They saw him die. They saw where he was buried. But then... (laughs) Just like we were singing, that body started breathing again. Jesus came back to life, and they saw him alive again. This was the game changer, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. That's why my soul was so filled while we were singing these songs about the fact that we have this living Lord. This was the game changer, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Shrinking violets became bold witnesses. Men who abandoned Jesus at the betrayal in the garden, men who deserted Jesus when he was dying alone on the cross, became bold witnesses because for 40 days, Jesus shared convincing proofs that he was alive. And you and I need to remember, he's just as alive now as he was then. Amen? Yeah, he really really is. And he's seated on the right hand of the Father and there's going to be a day that comes. Only the Father knows what day that will be. He's going to turn and look at Jesus. He's going to say, Hey, today's the day, son. Go get your bride, go get your church. And just as Acts 1 says that Jesus lifted off and disappeared out of the sight of the apostles in a cloud when he was taken up, chapter 1 also has the messenger from God saying to the apostles, This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way. You've seen him go into heaven. He disappeared in the clouds. In the revelation, Jesus said, behold, I'm coming on the clouds. And Deb and I ministered in Florida for a number of years, and they are beautiful sunrises, beautiful sunsets, beautiful clouds. We kind of got in the habit when we were uh, newlyweds and early on in our marriage where we would either one notice a cloud and say, look at that cloud. Wouldn't that be awesome if Jesus came back on that cloud right now? And, uh, you know, the reality is it doesn't really have to be a pretty cloud. Any cloud he comes back on is going to be awesome, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. But we talk about this all the time. So then when our firstborn is just a toddler and and we're in the car and there's a beautiful sunset and beautiful sky, beautiful cloud, my heart swelled when my little boy said, Hey, Daddy, could Jesus come back on that cloud? Oh, my heart. The kid is learning the word he's he's brilliant he's learning eschatology as a toddler you know (laughs) the study of end times I'm swelling with pride and I got deflated pretty quick after I said well yes Josh we don't know when he's coming but he could come on that cloud He could come anytime and I was a bit deflated when his immediate response was well we better go to Batman's cave Okay, maybe there needs to be a little bit more teaching here. and I couldn't help but ask, why do we need to go to Batman's cave, Josh? Well, because we need to borrow capes so that we'll be ready to fly up and meet Jesus in the air. And he'd heard the passage from Thessalonians about how the dead in Christ will rise first when Jesus returns at the trumpet call, and then those of us who are alive in Christ will fly up into the air to be with him forever. So the kid had it all wrong. You don't go to Batman's cave, you go to Superman. Batman doesn't fly Superman. No, of course, that would be wrong too. You know who you go to? You go to Jesus. (laughs) That's who you go to. And while Josh had some things confused, one thing he had right is, if you really believe that Jesus is alive and he's coming back again, you better get ready. Get ready. And that's really what the book of Acts is all about, the proclamation of the gospel that the world may believe. And until he comes back, what I really want to say is no matter what, continue. Continue to share the salvation that comes from the name above all names. And you look in Acts 5, 30 30 through 32, Peter and the apostles put it all on the line when they say this in front of the religious leaders. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sin to Israel. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Strong words. Not the first time the apostles spoke boldly in front of these religious leaders, and not the last time either. And it's really ironic when you stop and think about it, that the religious leaders saw Jesus as a threat. And the reason why that's ironic is because in reality, Jesus was their only hope. Just like he's the only hope of salvation for any of us. But instead of choosing faith, listening carefully and choosing faith, they are at their wits end and they're ready to be done with these witnesses of Jesus in fact acts 533 says when they heard this they were furious and wanted to put them to death listen when opposition comes we need to remember that we're never alone And I call you back to what I'm confident are familiar words for most everybody in here because I know Joe alludes to them a lot but when giving his great commission to his followers Jesus said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And then he says this, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And I'm sorry, I have a demented sense of humor. I picture one of the apostles saying to Jesus, don't call me Shirley. Oh, that's terrible, isn't it? I could have left that out. But what I don't want to leave out is this. Jesus said, I am with you always. I'm with you on the beach. I'm with you when you talk to your family. I'm with you when you talk to your neighbor. Jesus is with us when the opposition comes. And it's interesting to see how God can use some of the most unlikely people to be an advocate in Acts 5. We read of one of the religious leaders by the name of Gamaliel. He was a Pharisee and a teacher of the law. And he intervenes and he cautions the leaders who are thinking about taking the apostles out, killing them. He he reminds them of a couple of different guys who had a following and how they just kind of went away after a time. But his real reasoning is summed up in Acts 5, 38 and 39. He says, leave these men alone. Let them go. Now get this, this is one of the members of the Sanhedrin being an advocate for the apostles. They were not alone. Jesus was with them. Leave these men, let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. Good good reasoning rest of the leaders were persuaded. Well, sort of. <laughs> they did not kill the apostles, and they did let them go, but not without beating them before their release. The apostles were flogged, the text says, and ordered again not to speak in the name of Jesus, and then they let them go. Please, don't just glide over this. They were flogged beaten, humiliated. They felt the pain from each blow and probably wore bruises from each one, if not scars from their flesh being laid open from the flogging. This is no small thing which then magnifies how our text ends in Acts 5, 41 and 42. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for his name. What's more, verse 42, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. Folks, this text tonight shouts... No matter what, continue. Continue because people need the Lord. Continue because God calls for it. Continue because even though opposition may come, God is in control. This passage of Scripture challenges every believer in here to ask God for conviction about being a a witness, to ask Him to give us passion and courage And it inspires us to trust our living Lord. He's risen and to share what he's done for us with others. It's a privilege and an honor, you see, to be able to witness for Jesus just to tell what Jesus has done for you. Some years back, I had the privilege to be part of a preaching and teaching team that provided training at Damo, India, or a group of preachers from all over that area. And for several days, they were like sponges soaking up Scripture and teaching about outreach and spreading the gospel. That was the whole purpose of the conference. And at the conclusion of the conference, our in-country host, A.J. Law, a giant in the faith, brought several brothers to our teaching team. And he translated as they requested that we would lay hands on them and pray for them as they returned home. They were excited, you see, to go back to their homes and share the things that they learned. But they shared with us, they knew they would suffer persecution for doing so. We listened, as Ajay translated, and they told their stories of how they had already been on the receiving end of physical beatings for preaching the gospel. And they knew there would be more. And they asked us to pray that they would be courageous, bold, and faithful. It was both stunning and humbling. And you don't refuse such a request, but I've got to tell you, as we placed our hands on those brothers and prayed for them, I couldn't help wondering who should be praying for whom really felt like we needed to swap spots. I thank God for brothers like them. I thank God for the faithfulness of the apostles in this passage. I'm grateful for anyone in this room right now who's interested in knowing more about Jesus. There are folks here who would be willing to share with you. I'd be willing to share with you. Just let us know. And I'm thankful for believers in this church in its history and in its present who are willing to share the good news of Christ. Because, you see, being witnesses for Jesus is so important that what I really want to say is no matter what, continue.